is episode one of Audition Notes with Mark and Nick. Hello, I'm Nick. And I'm Mark. And this is episode number one, our very first podcast. The very first one. Uh, This is a series of podcasts uh, to share our advice, tools, techniques on the subject of auditioning, casting, auditioning for college and drama school. Uh, and it's whatever helps you to get that, that, that job or that place at the acting school that you want to go to. And we'll talk about some of the things and some of the advice that we give to our clients who come to us at Acting Coach Scotland. So the format will be, we'll come up with some of the most common questions or issues that we get asked and we'll talk about them. So what are we talking about today, Hayley? How should applicants go about choosing an audition speech? Okay, so how should applicants go about choosing an audition speech? Quite a common question, also quite a difficult one. Yeah, I think it's one that really freaks people out, so uh, let's try and give that our best shot. So, first of all, it's important to remember that typically drama schools will ask you to prepare at least one contemporary audition speech and one classical so why don't we start with what that means? What do, what do, we, what do we mean by contemporary? Uh, I mean, it's a topic that's <laughs> it's kind of controversial because people think lots of different things. Contemporary for me means written in, in the amount of time that you've been alive. Somehow, you know, a, a 30-year-old can get away with something that's 30 years old um, and a younger person kind of needs something uh, that, that was in their, in their lifetime. Actually... To demonstrate that you know something about contemporary theatre, it would help if it was very contemporary. This year, last year, on at the moment, I think that really helps too. I mean, it doesn't have to be. It can be 10 years old. But I think it demonstrates that you understand something about what's going on uh, in, in your theatre, wherever you are, if, if you've chosen something that, that is relatively recent. Yes, and, and think about from the perspective of the panel watching you, if you've got a contemporary and a classical, what they really mean is something modern, something that's distinctly different to the classical text that you might have prepared. It's to give them an idea of, of your, your range and the way you handle different language. I think it's also important to say that sometimes people might pick a uh, relatively modern speech uh, it, that is to say that, that it's been written recently, but it might be written in a classical style. Yeah, it's a kind of blurry line for me. I think they're really tough. I'm not sure they contrast well to classical if, if the language is, is classical. If you're choosing a contemporary piece, then let's, let's choose something with contemporary language in it. Um, I think you're going to have to have something really, really special to bring out a contemporary piece which has... Uh, older language, let's say, or more stylized language, and then bring out a classic, classical at the same time, uh, and make that work as a contrast. Probably one of the things that really matters is that the piece needs to suit you. Um, yeah, absolutely. That's really important. That can be tough on two monologues, and I think I remember reading that someone said that you know one of them has to really suit you, and the other one can be a bit more of a stretch. So your contemporary is the one I think you should you should go for. Uh, one of my coaches in America, uh, Karen Collis, always used to say it's the contemporary speech is the "this is me" 
monologue. It's the one that's kind of closest to you. It's about something you're passionate about. It's about something you can relate to. And it's a character close to your age, maybe close to things you've experienced. It doesn't have to be, of course, but it does help. It helps if it resonates with you, I think. It absolutely helps. I think that if you're watching somebody uh, who is performing a, a contemporary speech that is so far away from their their age, I think already you're asking for uh, a, a leap of imagination from the listener. Absolutely. Uh, they've got to be able to imagine you playing that part. And, and so do you. So sometimes the speeches that we like, that we read, we go, oh, I really like that speech. You have to be objective and say, yeah, but is it right for me? Does it suit my character? Does it suit, when I say character, I mean my personality. Does it suit my age group? Uh, you know, can I connect with it on a behavioural level? Is what I'm doing in the speech within my typical uh, abilities, I suppose? Absolutely. I suppose one of the other things, the thing that I'm always looking for in, in, in a choice of this uh, contemporary and classical is that they actually contrast. Often the remit is that they, they, they should contrast, but I'm not entirely sure that people fully understand what contrast means. I'm not sure contrast means one's funny and one's dramatic or one's shouty. No, no, you know, I wouldn't say so. Um, I like the idea that the contrast is many things, including what I've just said, but particularly it's a contrast of, of action. And what I mean by that is that, that, that the two characters are doing and are going after two very different things from very different characters. You know, if we've got a classical one, we've got a girl moping about love. We don't want a contemporary one in which there's, in the contemporary language, there's a girl moping about love or anything like that. So we're looking for a contrast in what, in what the characters are doing, how they're going about it, and what, uh, what it is they want. Right. So, for example, both speeches, classical and contemporary, could be a 20-something uh, ex-soldier come back from the war. Yeah. Right. So they could be on paper the same setup of character within the world of the play. But that's that's not what the important bit is. The, the important bit is is the journey within the speech different? Are you trying to do something different in those speeches? If the characters happen to have a, 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 a semblance that they match each other, that's okay. As long as what you're doing in the speech is different. Yeah, and you said journey. I mean, journey is, is really important. It's something we're always looking for in scenes and in monologues with our own students and clients. Mm -hmm. You know, do they start in one place and progress through to somewhere else? And how well marked, how obvious, how clear to the audience is that journey? And I find that, you know, a lot of actors understand that there is a journey and struggle to, 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 to find a way to, to make that clear to the audience. I mean, I think we should touch on that in a later podcast, sure, actually. Sure, sure. Uh, yeah, I, I think you're right. That's, that, that's quite... A, that's a podcast in itself, how to go on a journey in, in a monologue. And it brings up another brief thing. Um, the character in the world of the play doesn't suddenly decide that they're going to talk uninterrupted for two minutes or 90 seconds. They don't sort of say, right then, folks, everybody settle down, have a cup of tea, a piece of <laughs> shortbread, 
uh, and don't interrupt me because I'm about to speak. We call them speeches, we call them monologues, but actually it's not a speech at all. It's a collection of different ideas, thoughts, feelings, opinions, actions. Yeah, the character doesn't know they're not going to be interrupted. Quite often they don't know. They don't know they're going to give a monologue. They just start talking and it goes on. Uh, and uh, approaching the monologue like that, and again, that's probably another podcast by itself, uh, approaching the, the monologue like that helps you to break it down and think this is a different set of thoughts and this, and it's going to affect the way you perform it. Uh, if we're talking about Shakespeare, one of the things that people really freak out about is, is you know, can I do this speech because it seems like everyone will have done it? <laughs> um, and do I have to read the complete works of Shakespeare in order to know which one oh, to Oh, absolutely. Pick? Back to front. Uh, <laughs> um, it can be really tough. No, I don't think that you need to be particularly original. You might want to avoid gallop a pace and to be or not to be. You might want to, 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 to make a bold and, and, and brave choice and go for them anyway. Um, do you need to read all the way through Shakespeare? No, it would help if you read the play that you've chosen. Uh, we have something very handy here at the studio which you guys can all get your hands on, which is a list of every Shakespeare play and what monologues are available in it. And I think you could get that from us as a PDF by emailing Hayley, which is hello at actingcoachscotland.co.uk, and we'll send that list to you. So uh, that will help, no doubt. Really useful stuff, just to touch on that, uh, this idea of it being done too much. Shakespeare's work, I mean, I mean, I mean there are other classical writers. Um, yeah, sometimes they're classical, sometimes they ask for Shakespeare. It's mm -hmm. important to, 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 to read carefully there. Sure. The majority of people will choose Shakespeare typically. Now, they were written in the 16th, 17th century, so chances are they've been done a fair bit. Uh, chances are that the number of people the audition panel sees in a given year, they'll have heard probably all of them. It doesn't really matter if they've heard them all before. It doesn't really matter if they've just heard it from the person that was in before you. You mustn't worry about that. Um, the audition panel wants you to take them on that journey that we touched on earlier. You will find your own way of doing it. Yeah. And the evidence of that is look how many great actors are all, you know, at the moment it's a big thing, lots of, lots of brilliant actors are doing Hamlet, for example. Uh, no one Hamlet is the same as another. Right. Um, and that's, that's a perfect example. Everyone brings their own interpretation, their own take to it. So you really shouldn't worry about that. What's important is that you understand, that you understand the speech and you know what you're trying to do within it. Absolutely. One last thing I think we need to cover then is about sticking to the requirements. Uh, each college, each school is going to have its own specific requirements. Sometimes that requirements includes a list of plays you should not do mm -hmm. uh, or, or scenes that you must pick from. Read it carefully, and these things change from year to year. Yeah. Uh, so recently, I think Central changed uh, some things there, and other schools have changed. So read what they're asking for quite carefully, and if you're not 100% sure on what they're looking for, don't be afraid to drop them an email. 
uh, or give them a call, you know, get to the drama or the acting department, speak to their administrator or secretary and, and see if they can throw some light on it. Some places are asking for a devised piece. Some places are asking for a song. And that might be a curveball for you and you might want to find out a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Chances are Googling that stuff will come up with the answer. But if you want to hear it from the horse's mouth, don't be afraid to contact the institution and see what they say. Yeah, so do your research. It's really important. If you want to be the best of the best, then you've got to put that effort in to find the nitty-gritty. Another thing that can come up, that's come up when when I've been coaching people for drama school auditions is that sometimes in in recalls, uh, you'll be asked to do a different speech. So sometimes you need more than one. Right, absolutely. Recalls, I mean, I'm pretty sure... Some schools ask you to do three anyway, and then if you're coming back for a recall, you're looking for a fourth, potentially. So uh, if you're looking, you're looking for a, a range of material as well, and to plan that around which schools you're planning to uh, go for. I know some people, you know, with their parents, get a table, make a spreadsheet, um, you know, which school, what's the requirement, what am I going to do? It's a good way to be organized about that. That's a great idea. Um, we should give that away as a free PDF. Maybe we, maybe we can work on that yeah, as well. And it just occurs to me very briefly uh, to make your life easier, particularly when it comes to Shakespeare and classical speeches. Nobody's going to sit there and read the whole thing. If you're not that familiar, uh, you should read the play which you've chosen your speech, of course, whether that's contemporary or Shakespeare. Don't just pluck it out of a monologue book abstract. And if, Well, if you are finding it from a monologue book, buy the play, get on Amazon and and read it through, because if they ask you about it, you're going to look like a Wally if you don't have the answers. Absolutely. So what do you do about Shakespeare? You know, there's a lot of work there. Um, and, you know, let's face it, it's, it's difficult language. Um, they were, these, these plays were meant to be seen, uh, not exactly read. So my little tip is there are a number of great, uh, recently made Shakespeare uh, productions on film with some very great actors. Uh, if nothing else watching as many of them as you can will give you the sense of the world of the play, of the characters within that play, their relationships, and you'll know, you'll be watching it and you'll think, oh, I really like this character, I really like this speech, and then you can go to the text and you can start to mine the text, because very occasionally uh, with, with film adaptations, there'll be cuts and there'll be edits, hopefully they've, they've kept the language uh, absolutely as it's written but it's always worth going back to the original and just making sure but I think watching stuff watching Shakespeare is a great way to get into it for you to make the decision of, of, of what speech you want to do absolutely well that's it for our first podcast episode that was, that was, that was good wasn't it we got through it we got through it if you'd like more help and advice free help and advice you can go to our website which is all the W's, actingcoachscotland.co.uk slash blog. See you next time. See you next time.